praise the Lord. God bless you. God bless you. God is good all the time. We thank the Lord for the opportunity for us to share his word. We thank God because he knows exactly what he's doing. We thank him because he just keeps giving us fresh bread and giving us something to talk about. Um, we thank the Lord um, every opportunity that we have to share the word and to, and to, to walk away with something that we didn't know, because that's what he does. He gives us something that we didn't have before and we're able to walk away with it, but then we're also able to use it. It's not so that we walk away with it and it just becomes stagnant or we don't do anything. No, he gives us this for the purpose of us using. And so we thank the Lord every Sunday, every opportunity, God gives us something for us to, to use. Now, today we're not going to continue in Psalms 27, but today we're going to actually continue we're actually not continue, but we're going to um, undertake a, a, a side lesson, if you will. So this will be a lesson in our Bible Matters um, series, um, which is another series of Bible studies that we do where um, it's not given to a um, a, um, a a particular theme that we may cover over any length of Sundays or length of time, but it is um, more geared towards what God gives in the spur of the moment. Now they could span a couple lessons, or or it could just be one lesson. We, we we've had them um, 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 consist of that one one to uh, one lesson to many different lessons. We've we've had that, but it's whatever God gives, and I've learned that when God does that, we it is important that we go with what the Spirit of the Lord gives us. So with that, I'd like you to look at um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 13 through 17. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Amen. Amen. And I want to talk, if, we had to, if I had to give this a theme of any sort, then I would say that what I want to, us to talk about today is... Um, um, if we, we can use uh, we, we can use this for a type for a topic when believing is seen, amen. When believing is seen, okay. Um, um, we you, you can also look. We can also call this believing to see, if you will. But we really want to zero in on this concept of when believing becomes seeing. Amen. Amen. We know this world will tell us that we, we've heard it all before. You know, you got to see it to believe it. But in God's kingdom, it doesn't work that way. It works the total opposite. And, and, and this is not, we're not surprised by that. Um, if you're new and you don't, you don't have a relationship with the Lord, and this is your first contact with the message of God, then this will be news to you. But God's ways are not the same ways as man's. And the scripture teaches that very plainly in several locations within the Holy Scriptures, that God's ways, they're not our ways. His thoughts aren't even our thoughts. Amen. Amen. And so with that, there will always be a disparity or a difference between what man is doing and what God is doing. Amen. One of the worst mistakes we can make is, is, to, is to misconstrue what we do as what God is doing. No. Now we should be led by God and we should be operating by the moving of God, but we should not blanketly just categorize all the things that man does under the category as being the same as all the things that God does. No, it's not even the same. Amen. Amen. Man is steeped in sin and our ways is full of corruption. So it is not always the same. Now, Second uh, Corinthians chapter three, verses 13 through 17. Let's get our, uh, let's get our base 
versus rib and not as Moses, which part, which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Amen. Now, the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. May God have a blessing to those that not just read, not just hear, but those that do and obey the word of God. We say this all the time and it is applicable all the time. The blessing is in the obedience. So I want to encourage you, if you're listening to this, no matter where you are in the world, no matter what time of day, no matter what's happened previous and prior to you listening to this message, if you have not been in the habit of obeying what the scripture says, it's time to start obeying. Amen. Amen. Because obeying is how we abide in Christ. Amen. The Bible teaches us very plain that we are to abide in him. The way we do that is through obedience. So you can't have, a, you won't live a life of dwelling or abiding in the Lord if you're unwilling to do what the Lord says. So make sure that you are not just listening to the word of God. You got to be obeying the word of God. Amen. Amen. Good to have it play and, and you to listen to it throughout the day. Good. It's wonderful for you to listen to the sermons and, and, and the praises and worship of the God. That's good. That's fine. Keep doing that. Amen. But if that word that you're getting through song or through the, the spoken word or however God is giving you the word of God, and I'm talking about not a knockoff, word. I'm talking about the word that lines up straight up to the Bible, not what somebody adds to, but when that word of God comes across and those instructions come across and they, and, and they're clear, amen, you got to do it. I have to do it. I cannot be blessed any kind of way. Now we want to talk about this, this, um, this, this concept or these concepts of, of believing to see. Okay. So when, when, when believing is seen, we want to get into that. Okay. Now, when we look at our scripture here in Corinthians, in second Corinthians chapter um, three, there is a particular uh, incident that is actually being referenced here. Okay. There is something in particular that is going on now in our scripture. All right. We open up with, and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face. Amen. That the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded for unto this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Amen. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Now, when we talk about Moses being read, what that is referring to is what is known as the Pentateuch, okay, or the, uh, the, 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 the first five books of the Bible, okay? All right. Um, this would be considered the Hebrew Torah, all right? Now, these, these, 
the, the, the scripture tells us that when Moses is read, and so when we, knowing what I, with what I just said, when we say when Moses is read, we're talking about when all of those scriptures, those scriptures, the first five books, okay, when the knowledge of God that is contained within the first five books, amen, when it is read, what is being referenced here or spoken on by Paul, the apostle here, is, is that when these scriptures, when these things, when that is read, when these first five books is given out, when it's, when it's preached, when it's taught, whatever, however you want to call it, but when the knowledge of God, amen, the wisdom of God that is contained in just the first five books, okay? Because that's what we're talking about when we talk about mo with just just that alone, amen. Now this has application to all of the rest of the scriptures of the Old Testament, but we're just dealing with this right here. But when that those scriptures are are read just that much, and the, when the wisdom of God is shared with man, there remains Paul is saying a veil, amen. That in that there is a veil, okay, on the hearts of the people. Who are the people, the people of God, those that are receiving and hearing the word of God. So in this case, we will be talking about the, 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 the children of Israel. All right. Now, and Paul is getting ready to make, he's, he's drawing something. Okay. He's drawing out, getting ready to, to draw out a comparison. Okay. For something that happened or started way back centuries ago and that remained until his day. And, 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 and I'm sad to report, um, it still remains even to this day, but the Lord told us about these, about these things. Amen. Amen. For as much as God has revealed himself in the old Testament, mankind still remains in the dark. Amen. I'm going to say that again, as much as God has revealed himself to mankind, man still remains in the dark. Amen. He remains with blinders on. Okay. There's elements and aspects of God that he cannot see. Nevertheless, in our text, okay, now we can just, we're talking, I'm, when I say that, I'm talking about all of scripture, all in its entirety, man, it just got blinders on. Okay. But we can understand that because here, Paul is talking about it literally just in the reference to the first five books. And you know, if we got the, if the blinders is on with the first five, you know, the blinders is on with our, everything that came after it. Amen. 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 Nevertheless, Paul says, not as Moses, which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded for unto this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. Now, let's talk a little bit about this veil because this veil simply means um, a covering, okay? This literally is talking about a face covering. So what is really Paul getting into and what is he driving home here when he talks about Moses and the putting on of this, this veil? Well, brothers and sisters, this is a reference that actually goes back to Exodus chapter 34, verses 33 through 35, okay? Um, and um, 
And the word of God says this, and till Moses had done speaking, and till Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. So what this is telling you is, is that Moses um, put a veil over his face, okay, when he went to talk with the people of God. The veil was removed when he talked with God himself, but when he was dealing with the people, he he spoke with the veil on. And we're going to get into a little bit further um, why he actually did that. But Exodus 34, 33 through 35 is showing you that when he was speaking, is 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 plainly telling us and showing us that when Moses went to speak with the people of God, when he had to dialogue with the people of God after coming down from the Mount of uh, Sinai, okay? When he came down to deal with the people of God, he put a veil on his face in, in, in order to talk with them. But when he went before the Lord, he removed the veil, amen? And he talked with God without that. But when he came down, man, and spoke with the people again, Moses had to put the veil back on. Now, after the sin of the people of God in the wilderness, while Moses was up on Mount Sinai, so I want you to get this picture in your mind, the children of Israel, they have been delivered, okay, from Egyptian captivity. All of the promises and all of the prophecies and everything that God had spoken before about this coming day, the day finally came. And the children of Israel, though Pharaoh did not want to let them go, he had no choice but to obey the command of the Lord, which was what? Let my people go. Pharaoh had to let the people go. He had to relinquish his control. He had to relinquish everything that he thought that he had, all of the power and everything else. He had to let them go. God made a great example and had to show and demonstrate to Pharaoh and all of Egypt just who God was. The Egyptian, um, the Egyptian culture um, herald the, the pharaohs as gods or as deities. So the kings of the pharaohs, the kings of the Egyptians, um, which were known by the title of pharaoh, they were looked at themselves as deities, okay? They were looked at as as gods, small G-O-Ds, okay? They were looked at as gods and they were worshiped by the people as gods, amen. These people had in captivity, the God's people, the true God, the one and only God, capital G-O-D. There's no S on the end of that one. There is only one God, amen. We're talking about Yahweh. We are talking about the God of the Bible, amen. Man, so when this small god came face to face or encounter, I don't want to say face to face, but had an encounter with the true god, well, something had to give, and the true god <laughs> didn't give an inch, 
And so in the course of his interaction, Egypt and Pharaoh were shown who's God. They were shown who was in control. They were shown who was in charge. And in the course of this, Pharaoh had no choice but to let God's people go. Yes, he balked against it and he fought against it as much as he could, as much as he could. And But the Lord, through the course of 10 plagues, more than overwhelmingly convinced Pharaoh that you're going to have to let my people go. You are going to have to take your hands off of what belongs to God. And I'm, I'm and as and 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 and, I, and and as we go on, this is just some good stuff to this morning. I'm so glad God gave it to us. I want to tell somebody here that listen. I know you might be dealing with something. You might have you know someone who is dealing with a Pharaoh type of situation where the powers, so called that be, are making things rough on them, on the child of God. But you've got to stand and know that just as God spoke on behalf of the children of Israel to Pharaoh, let my people go. You've got to understand that the God of the universe, if you are obedient to him, he will speak the same thing on your behalf. Is it a boss boss that is giving you trouble? Is it a is it a, is it an organization that's giving you problems? Is it this or is it that? Let me tell you something. There is nobody greater than our God. There ain't nobody greater than Jesus. And when we are obedient to God and to his way, there are brothers and sisters, just some promises and some things that we can count on. I just want to encourage somebody. I feel like God is getting ready to encourage someone that will hear this no matter when they hear it or where in the world they hear it. I want to tell you, God is in control. Pharaoh didn't want to let the people go. No, he didn't want to do it. And it, and, 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 and he did all that he could trying to, to not do what, what to, to not obey the command of God. But let me tell you something. When God tell you to do something, I don't care what you come up with, where you think you, listen, you are going to do what God tells you to do. And brothers and sisters, you've got to remember that you serve a God who is sovereign. Okay. He don't ask nobody if you feel like doing this. No, our God gives dictation. He tells us what it is. He tells that. And when we find ourselves just in trouble, we can go to God who will speak on our behalf. And when he speaks, it's absolute. And when he says, Pharaoh, let my people go. That's exactly what is going to happen. Now you might have to have some patience and wait on it. Amen. Amen. You might have to have some patience and wait on it, but I want to encourage you to wait on. I want to encourage you that waiting on God is worth it. Why? Because when God says he's going to do it, he's faithful. I don't know not one time where God doesn't come through or he hasn't come through. He's always, he's always come through. He's always come through. Nevertheless, amen. After the sin of the people, okay, of God in the wilderness, Okay. While Moses was on Mount Sinai. So the children of Israel were delivered okay, out of Egypt. And when they got all into got all into the wilderness, God was leading them and all these things. And then there came a point, there came a time, all right, where God calls to Moses and tells Moses, look, I need you to come on up here to the mountain. You're going to bring the people. I'm going to meet with these people and I'm going to give them and, I, and I'm going to speak my words. I'm going to give them some commandments. All right. Moses, um, 
um, um, um, Mo and Moses does this. Moses goes up to the mountain, all right, to receive the, the words of God. But while Moses was up there, some time passed. And you, and you can read the account for yourself. Just go back a few chapters or so, and you'll read uh, in the book of Exodus around uh, 33 or so. Um, and you keep reading that and keep, just, just go back and you'll, and, and you'll see how the children of Israel, uh, how the children of Israel began um, while Moses was gone up the mountain after the amount of certain amount of time began to pass, they got ridiculous. And they demanded of Aaron that he built, that he make them a calf, something to worship. They felt like they didn't know what happened to Moses. Moses was gone, all kind of different things. And they, I mean, they just came up with all kinds of different stuff. And, 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 and while Moses was having an encounter with God, the children of Israel below at the foot of the mountain were walking in sin. Amen. Amen. And this is what the scripture teaches us. All right. Now, after this, this, the, the people's sin against God in the wilderness, while Moses was on Mount Sinai, receiving the words of the Lord for the people or the law of God. This is where he received the two, the two stone tablets in which God wrote the commandments. We know them as the 10 commandments. Amen. This was the, the, or, or many, her, many re, uh, refer to it as the moral commandments. Okay. Or the, the, the moral law, there's more than just 10. There's about 613 laws altogether. But on the Mount, what Mo Moses was given was the first 10 of those of the law, amen, which was written by God on two stone tablets, amen, amen. And, and be but because of the sin of the people, God's anger reached a level whereby he was ready to be done with all of it. Moses is up on the mountain and he is hearing and he is pursuing God and he is and he is and 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 he is and he is getting the word of God for the people. Amen. And while he's up there the people just lose their mind talk Aaron into building a, a, a false God and they begin to worship. And while they're up there, God just catches a case. God, God sees what they're doing and literally has a major problem with it. So much so that he was ready to wipe, he was ready to wipe them out. He was ready to be done with them. Look at Exodus chapter 32. Let's look at verses. Let's look at, look at Exodus 32. Let's look at verse seven, uh, seven through 10. Amen. Amen. And the Lord said unto Moses, go get thee down for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a molten calf and have worshiped it and have sacrificed un there unto there too and said, these be thy gods, O Israel which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people and behold, it is a stiff necked people. Glory to God. 
Now, therefore, let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them and that I may consume them and I will make of thee a great nation. God was so mad with the children of Israel. He was willing to start over with just Moses. That's what you're reading. That's what you just. That's what we just read in Exodus. Amen. In Exodus chapter 32, verses seven through 10, Moses is up on the mountain. This is the first time. And while he's up there, as you can see, what did they do? Not only did they make a false God, but then they attributed all of the mighty works of God Almighty to this false God, to a fake deity. After God had done all of that, God had shown all of his wonders and all of his signs. God had, Lord, God, the Lord had, had made a fool out of Pharaoh and, and Egypt with the Ten Commandments. And through a mighty hand, God delivered the children of Israel. And then when God calls the children of Israel to meet with him and he, and, and he tasks Moses with coming up the mountain first to get the message of God. And while he's up there after all of that, I want you to think about it from God's perspective. Just try to imagine it from God's perspective. After all of these things that God had done, and the only thing that they had to do was wait. They, all they needed to do was wait for Moses. And while waiting for Moses to come down, they got besides themselves and started walking in sin. I want to tell somebody who's going to listen to this, that there are things that you have prayed for and that you've had asked and you've asked God to do for you. And I want to tell you, you're going to have to wait on God. I don't know how long you're going to have to wait. I'm not aware of how much time you're going to have to put in. So I have no specific prophecy for you about this specific increment of time. But what I do know is, is, is that you've asked God, you've been talking to God to do some things. And God, not for all of you, because God's not getting ready to do some things for us if we're living in sin. But some of you have been doing right. You've been living right. And you've been talking to God. And you've been asking God to do something. And I want to tell you that God has said he's getting ready to do it. But when I say God is getting ready to do it, that's relative to God's timetable. That doesn't mean that he's getting ready to do it right this second. God is not governed by time. God controls time. Time doesn't control him. God operates in eternity. God is eternal. And so when God moves, for us, it shows up at a time, a specific point in time. But for him, it doesn't work that way. God speaks when he speaks. For him, it's already done. But for us, there might be an increment of time that we have to work, wait, that we have to persevere through until what we see in the natural lines up with what was spoken in the spirit, what was spoken outside of time. See, when God answers your prayer, you may not be aware of this, but because God is not governed by time, when God answers your prayer, he answers it outside of time. That means 
your prayer, the answer to your request is given outside the confines or the construct of time as we know it. But when it gives it to, but when we finally receive it, we are governed by time. We are under the constraints of time. We don't have forever and a day. We have only the allotted time that God has given us. And so when God speaks a thing and says, yes, I'm going to do this, that, and the other, I'm going to answer your prayer. For him, it's done outside of time, but for us, it shows up in time. Now, the time that it shows up is not necessarily of our choosing and our designation. What am I saying? I'm telling you, this is not a calendar where you get to pick a time slot. You don't pick a schedule. God is the schedule. It's going to come at the point in time that he's ready for it to come. Now, Moses went up to the mountain. And when Moses went up to the mountain, the children of Israel at the foot of the mountain decided that they wasn't going to wait on Moses no more. They didn't know what happened to Moses. So they tried to claim. They wanted to hear from God, no doubt. They wanted an encounter with God, no doubt. How do you know that? Because they asked Aaron to build them or to make for them a molten calf. They wanted a God. But they wanted God's, but God by any means necessary, even if they had to invent one themselves. And I want to tell somebody that's a dangerous place to be in. There is only one God. And when God says he's going to do something, he is going to do it. But God has a right to require of you faith and patience. The word of God teaches us that the trying of our faith is more precious than gold. Your faith and your patience serves a purpose. But there is one, person, one purpose it does not serve. You want to know what it is? It's this. It, is, it does not serve the purpose of becoming our excuse. Having to wait on God, having to have patience does not serve the purpose of becoming our excuse to try to get ahead of God's plan. Moses is up there receiving a word of God for the people. But they decide they can't wait on that. Brothers and sisters, you got to have respect for God. God is sovereign. And I know this is, this is, not, this is not everyday teaching, but you, you need to hear it. God is sovereign. God don't have to wait on you, but you do have to wait on him. And it is a vile and wicked and evil thing for us to 
use the the requirement of patience as an excuse to replace God, to lean to our own understanding, to try to bring about God's will through our own means. You got to wait on God. His track record is flawless. He doesn't fail and he will be there. But having to wait on God is not an excuse to act ungodly, to act up, to act in a way that is contrary to the word of God and to what God wants. We got, we've got to come away from that. God's anger, God got so frustrated with the children of Israel, he was ready to be done with them. It was ready to wipe them out. I want to tell somebody something. Listen, God gets tired of disobedience. Somebody, you need, some, you need to hear what I'm telling you. Well, no matter who you are, where you are, God gets tired of disobedience. You're not going to be able to keep getting away with all, you're not getting away with it now. It's all getting marked down. It's all getting written down. And the day is coming where the books are going to be opened up. And I am telling you, you are going to get caught. Everything that you think that you're getting away with by living unrighteously and unholy and all of these things, it's coming back around. Listen, I don't have a heaven and hell to put you in. I admit that. No one else around here does. But I also know that God Almighty does have a heaven and he does have a hell to put you in. And he does. And it is regardless of what this world tells you, it is his prerogative to do so. So if he lays out a plan by which if you follow, you can escape this torment or the wrath to come. Why won't you do that? How long are you going to keep trying to get away with what you can't get away with? Do you know that what you're trying to get away with has already been judged? He's already spoken against it. It's already doomed to fail. I'm trying to encourage you. Stop wasting your time leading to your own understanding because you've gotten tired of waiting on God. I know you get tired. And I know you want your answer now. But God wants your faith, your, your allegiance, and your obedience right now. It is not right for us to continuously treat God as if he's just some kind of slot machine. We pull the lever and he gives us a blessing, whatever it is. Would that we have more respect for God than that. You got to come away from that wickedness. When is God's track record going to be good enough for you and me? I submit to you, it's good enough right now. Don't get ahead of God. Wait on God. One scripture said, wait on the Lord. I say, again, I say, wait. Wait on God. Nevertheless, God, God, man, he wanted to, he's like, God's like, I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm getting ready to, I'm getting rid of them. 
there. I'm, 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 I'm done. I'm done. I'm done with this. You don't want God to get tired of you. You don't want that. That's not a place you want to be. All of your strong will and posturing, acting like you're somebody. No, you're not. You better humble yourself before God. It's not okay for us to act these ways, especially considering how good God has been to us and how good God is to us. Do you know he still blesses you even when you don't deserve it? But he's not on the hook to keep doing that. So I want to encourage somebody, stop taking the blessings for God for granted. Start giving God praise and glory and adoration, even if the thing that you're presently praying and asking God for, he hasn't done it yet. Wait on God. Come on, let's reason together. When has God ever failed? Where in the scripture did he not do what he said he was going to do? See, God is faithful to both the blessing and the curse. What does that mean? That means that God is faithful to do what he said he's going to do, but he's equally faithful to, do, to not do what he says he's not going to do. So when God says he's not going to do it, he ain't going to do it. And obedience determines whether or not you're going to get the blessing or the curse. If you are obedient, you'll be able to partake of the blessing. But heaven help you if you are hard-headed and stiff-necked like the children of Israel and you want to do what you want to do and you want to walk in disobedience. Listen, then everything that God says that he wanted to do for you is getting canceled. You're not going to get it. And God is going to faithfully not give it to you. Stop fighting God's plan, his method, his ways. He, he's God. And you're not getting ready to change him. You're going to have to, listen, you're going to have to do what God tells you to do. If you don't do what God tells you to do, you're going to go where God tells you to go. That's the reality. And you're not going to like where you end up. And guess what? It's his prerogative. We, we, we get it twisted. God can make you do what he wants you to do. But God chooses to give you the choice because he wants you to choose him out of love. He doesn't want robots, family. He wants you doing what you do because you love him, not because you're trying to see what, what else you can get from him. Amen. Have respect for God. So Moses, Mo, Mo, Moses is, is on the mountain and, and the children of Israel are in the valley or they're at the foot of the mountain. And man, they're just ridiculous. And, and God is upset. Now God, God's ready to just get rid of them. But amen. That in spite of their foolishness, Moses interceded for the people. God put it in his heart. 
And I just believe that. To intercede. On behalf of the people, look at Exodus chapter 32. Now I want you to look at verses 11 through 17. Now we just read 32, 7 through 10. Now we're going to pick up the rest of that narrative and we're going to look at verses 11 through 17. And the word of God says this. And Moses besought the Lord, his God, and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against thy people, which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt with great power and with a mighty hand? Wherefore should the Egyptians speak and say, for mischief did he bring them out to slay them in the mountains and to consume them from the face of the earth. Turn from thy fierce wrath and repent of this evil against thy people. When he says repent, he's asking God, change your mind. Change your mind. Change your mind. Remember Abraham, remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, thy servants, to whom thou swearest by thine own self and said it's unto them, I will multiply your seed as the stars of heaven and all this land that I have spoken of will I give unto your seed and they shall inherit it forever. Verse 14, and the Lord repented of the evil which he thought to do unto his people. That means he changed his mind, amen. And Moses turned and went down from the mountain Amen. Down from the mountain and the two tables of the testimony were in his hand. The tables were written. The, the tables were written on both their sides, on the one side and on the other. Were they written? And the tables were the work of God and the writing was the writing of God graven upon the tables. And when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. Amen. Amen. Moses interceded. God was ready to just get rid of him. But Moses interceded. Are you interceding for someone today? I know you're frustrated and you see things. Listen, the antics of the children of Israel, you're going to read scriptures where even they antics, even Moses got fed up. They, I mean, they were so ridiculous with it. I mean, it got on everybody's nerves. It got on God's nerves. It got on Moses' nerves. And it eventually did happen. It eventually got to the point where even Moses was like, oh, you know, you got to be kidding. And somebody, you, listen, you got people in your life, loved ones, friends, and, and you probably have the same sentiment when you, every time you hear about their latest exploit or the next thing that they're doing, you somewhere scratch your head like, you gotta be kidding me. You're still doing this, or you're all about all of these different things and you're watching them and loved ones and you know that they can be so much more and so much better and that God has a call. God has something for them to do, but yet they just won't bend the knee and surrender to the Lord. And you're frustrated. And you've been watching for years after years as loved ones and friends and people close to you or someone that you really want to get on the right track and they just seem to refuse it. You can get tired of all of that. You can get frustrated with all of that. And it can leave you in a place where you just like, you know what? Hey, I'm, you know, what? I, I become indifferent. And the children of God must pray against the spirit of indifference. 
Because see, when the spirit of indifference comes in, you stop caring. You, it don't matter to you no more. You can get so frustrated that you don't care no more. When you don't care anymore, you become dull and no longer sensitive to the plight of what's going on. You become unwilling and unable to see what's going on behind the scenes. And I know that you got loved ones and you got friends that you've been waiting on and that you're praying for and circumstances and situations that you're trying to pray through and all of these different things. And I, I know that. I, 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 and, I, and I know that some of these people and the, the that you're going after it it's just been they have just done too much let it let's be honest and speak plainly they have gone too far and they have done way too much and and you literally are feeling like i'm ready to give up but i want to tell you today brother sister do not give up intercede on their behalf i know they don't deserve it i know before they have wronged you I know they have crossed every line, but don't stop praying for them. Don't stop. They don't know what they're doing. And I know some of them, it seems like, yes, they do know what they're doing. They knew what they were saying when they said this to me. They knew what was going to happen when they did this thing. But I need you to remember that God gave you grace. It is by his mercies that you are not consumed. You have got to give the same grace and mercy that was given to you to those that don't deserve it. Why? Because that's what grace and mercy is for. It's for those that don't deserve it. Don't give up. I know you've been praying for a child and I know you haven't seen that traction yet, but God honors his word. Don't give up. Keep Praying, keep interceding, keep calling on the name of Jesus, keep believing, brothers and sisters, keep believing. And I know that's hard, especially when you've put some time in, in believing and being like, man, I just, I, I just, I'm not seeing it, God. And it seemed like it's getting worse and worse. And you know what? I'm not even going to tell you that it's not getting worse and worse. It might be, but I know that sometimes it is just darkest before the light comes. And if you will wait on God, I'm telling you that you're going to see something different. You're going to see a miracle that when it is finally said and done, you're going to know that it was not by power and it was not by might, but it was by God's spirit that he brought your loved one, that he rescued your friend, that he brought your acquaintance through. Listen, don't stop praying for your bosses. Don't stop praying for your wife. Don't stop praying for your husband. Don't stop praying for your children. Don't stop praying for this world. I know this world is going to hell, but don't stop praying for them because not every one of them is headed to hell. But they need somebody to stand in the gap. Somebody that's going to say, Give them another chance. And that's what intercessing is about. It's about praying for folks who can't pray for themselves. Sometimes people don't even know better. They don't even know that they're in the need of prayer. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. You got to give them the same grace. Don't let it go. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't listen. Stay the course. You might not have the strength, but if you rely on God, he'll give you the strength to push on a little bit further. Somebody needed to hear that this morning. And I pray that that blesses you. Nevertheless, 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 
Moses interceded for the people. And I'm so glad because I know somebody interceded for me. I know it. I know it. I feel it with everything. I know that somebody was praying for me. I know because I should not be here by all accounts, but I'm here by the grace of God because somebody said I'm not going to stop praying. You might not be able to see the value and the worth in someone but that is not for you to be able to see. It's not, that's not your job. It don't, it's not based on whether or not you see it. You're supposed to pray. And you're supposed to pray without ceasing. Don't stop, brother. Don't stop, sister. Keep praying. Keep pushing. Keep pushing. Devil going to work hard to give you all the reasons to stop. But don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. See, the devil wants you to stop because he know it ain't no hope for him. See, he don't get no second chance. But when it come to you and me, the Lord said, I will have mercy on who I will have mercy. He knows there's some second chances that somebody can take a part of if they will just repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't stop. See, in addition, to interceding for the people in spite of what the people had done. And I'm just so glad. I, I, I just, I'm, my heart is full that God would put it on somebody's heart to pray for somebody else because we all stand in the need of prayer. But nevertheless, in addition to interceding for the people, in spite of all that the people had done, there's something else that happened. Moses does something different. See, Moses is on the mountain and he's getting the commandments of the Lord. And at first, and he don't know what's going on until the Lord tells him, look, get thee down. This, these people, they have corrupted themselves. They have just gone haywire. But see, but before that, Moses didn't know that. Moses didn't know what they had done, but then eventually he found out and he had to go down and he had to take care of business. But something happened in the midst of all this. See, everybody else went haywire. And everybody else went sideways. Down in the valley that they just lost their mind, just went crazy. Decided they wasn't going to wait on God. Decided they was going to replace God. But I'm saying, who is like our God? There ain't no replacing him. He the one and only. But they nevertheless went forward, and that's exactly what they tried to do. Now, everybody else lost their mind. And Moses did pray an intercessing prayer for them. But I want you to notice something about Moses. See, because in addition to interceding for the people, Moses also took the opportunity to personally press in further to God, to deepen his own relationship with God by asking God to see his face. Look at Exodus chapter 33, look at verses 18 through 23. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. 
And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me. Glory to God. And thou shalt stand upon a rock and it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by that I will put there, that I will put thee in the cleft of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Now I want you to understand something. Because I feel the spirit of the Lord right now. And I, I hope this, I hope you feel, I hope you get what God is. Listen, when everybody else decides that they're going to go sideways, if everyone around you should determine within themselves that they're not going to follow God, that they're going to do something different. Just because everybody else does something that is contrary to the word of God does not mean you have to follow the crowd. You are not doomed and destined to follow a crowd that is going against God. I don't care what everybody else doing. You got to determine that in your heart and in your life, you are going to be found where the spirit of the Lord is. Why? Because there's liberty where the spirit of the Lord is. You've got to decide and make sure you hold to that decision decision that if everybody else goes sideways, I'm going to stay with you, Jesus. I'm going to stay with you, Lord. I'm going to keep doing what you said do. I'm not going different. I'm not going astray. They all went astray down there. But Moses was saying, Lord, I want to see you. I want to see you in the midst of what everybody else had done. Moses asked God to see him. And I wonder who is pressing in to see our God. When you're, listen, when life begins to turn upside down and it begins to unravel, if everyone else decides that they are going to be part of the problem, you have got to decide that I am staying with God. I am not going back. I am not returning to Egypt. I'm not going back to who I used to be. I'm not going back to what I've been delivered from. I'm not going to speak the same way. I'm not going to act the same way. I'm not going in the same places. This for God I live and for God I'll die. I am casting my lot in with you, Jesus. I'm staying with you, God. I'm staying with you. Got to get to that point. Where even if ain't nobody else pursuing the face of God, you pursue it. And I want you to understand something. Every child of God ought to have the face of God as their pursuit. No, I'm not going to be able to see it face to face. God already made it plain. Moses couldn't do it. And I can't do it. You're not going to be able to do it. But like with Moses, there is a place. God still got something that he's willing to show you about himself that you've never seen before. God, you might. Oh, glory to God. 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 I worship you, Jesus. I praise you. Oh, Lord, thank you, oh, God, that we can press into you. God, I pray, Lord, over your people right now in the name of Jesus, God, that there will be a hunger and a desire that causes them to press in after you, God. In spite of what everybody else is doing, I might not be able to see the face of God like I see your face. But don't stop pursuing it because God may not let you see that part. 
but there's a part of God that he'll let you see. And if you are willing to press into God, he's going to show you what you've never seen before. Take you where you've never been before. Do what's never been done before in your life. In your life. Brothers and sisters, I can see that this is, we're going to have to continue this on next week. God is good. And I just want to encourage you, just stay with him. Stay with him. I know, I know, I know, I know. But see, this is what God wanted to remind somebody. You press into God. When everybody else walks away, you press forward. You push into God. Moses didn't let what the people did cause him to go stagnant, but he looked at it as an opportunity. They might want to get further away, but I want to get closer to you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. I'm just trying to apprehend him. I'm just trying to grab a hold of him who already has a hold of me. I, I, glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. We're going to end this here. I see we can go on and on and on. And I pray God's blessings over you today. I want you to know that God is still with you. God's still on the throne. And I know what's happening in the world. But God is not slack concerning his promises. What he said he's going to do, he's going to do. But while you're waiting on God, don't wait statically. Don't wait and just be stagnant. But push him to God. Make sure you're pursuing the face of God. Next week, we'll continue more with this concept of this teaching of believing to see when believing is seeing. Brothers and sisters, until next week, God bless you.